Raw Not Researched, Real Life Stories. Hi guys, welcome to Inspirational Interviews, a super cool life stories platform where we showcase real life stories of people from all over the world. Brave hearts, famous or not, going out there doing their thing. These interviews are not staged. The conversations can go anywhere. What's your life story? Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life. With me, your host, Jen Rod. So here we are. You're, where are you? I'm in South Africa. Where are you? I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, cool. And it's like six o'clock in the morning there almost. It is. Bright and early. <laughs> well done for getting up. up. <laughs> hey, what? Is it the sun isn't up yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what part of America is that? Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. It's, um, it's, I guess it's considered like the Midwest, uh, East Coast. Okay. So, I mean, so how far are you from New York? Um, about eight, nine hours. Drive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay. So let's just go right in there. You're from Cincinnati, Ohio. We met on Instagram. Tell us, tell us who Lauren is and don't, you don't say straight away why you wanted to share your story, but you know, tell us who you are, where you are, like, what do you do? So, um, my name is Lauren, but my artist name is V.I. Peach. Okay. Uh, I am, I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm a single mom. Um, I am a dog groomer full time. So like Tuesday through Friday, uh, that's how I pay my bills. I've been grooming for 12 years. Uh, I'm a veteran. I was in the army for six years. Um, I am a music artist. I sing and rap here in Cincinnati and all over. Uh, I have mm-hmm. a podcast of my own um, called Speaking Your cool. Truth, Untold Stories of Abuse. Um, I also run modeling classes here in Cincinnati um, to help people navigate the modeling industry. I've been modeling for four years as well. Um, and I run shows, too. I produce um, shows here in Cincinnati for artists um, to showcase their talent and for networking purposes. Um, and I guess I'm considered kind of like a philanthropist, um, yeah. serial entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I've been trying to get on survivor for the last four years as well. The show survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's a okay, cool. <laughs> so, so that is, yeah. So that's a lot. So tell me something. Um, you, you said you're also a single mom. Uh, was that a deliberate choice to be a single mom or were you forced into that? Uh, it was a choice. I divorced my ex-husband four years ago. Okay. And how old's your child? Seven. Seven. Okay. So a boy or girl? She's a girl. Oh, cute. My daughter's also seven. Yeah. She's, it's, it's a so sweet a age. Fun age. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you, so you're a full-time single mom. Yes, my uh, ex doesn't live uh, here in the state. Uh, lives quite far away, so it is just me. <laughs> okay, wow, that's hard going, huh? Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, I know that it, it, I mean, the interesting thing is, right, when you're single with a child, what is easy is that all the decisions are yours. But when you're, you know what I mean? So when you're in a marriage with a child or children, you've always, you're always negotiating decisions or you're, you know, you've got to, you've got to check in with decisions. Whereas when you single, it's just like, okay, cool. You go for it. And then there's no conflict of interest, which that comes into married couples. You know, it's like, you've got to always find that mutual agreement, you know, with your kids. So obviously marrying the right man is always (laughs) ideal from the start, but (laughs) you know, they're pros and cons to both. Right. Yes. for sure. Yeah. So, okay. Um, out of all those things, you said veteran, um, uh, uh, producing, uh, philanthropy, um, your podcast, uh, modeling, like all of those things, like what, what speaks to your heart the most? Um, right now, my, my main focus is my music and my artistry and that it, it kind of was the last, I've been building my, my personal brand for the last nine years. Um, and music was kind of the last piece to that. Um, but I think it all kind of ties in together, essentially. Um, mm. Everything that I do kind of relates to one another. Mm. Um, I think truly my one of my passions is uh, helping other people or teaching in some type of aspect as well. So um I think with the knowledge that I've gained or that I continue to gain navigating the music industry and stuff, it's my cat. <laughs> I can see. I see a little fluffy furball working in the background. I just couldn't yet make out if it was a dog or a cat. And I thought it's definitely, it's not your daughter because she's seven, so she wouldn't be lying on the floor there or whatever, you know, your bed behind you. <laughs> Harold, he's a, he's a, he's a ham. Um, but no, uh, I, I think I'll be able to help a lot. I really want to help um, women. And like I said, with my podcast, I think, you know, I've had to put a back burner with my podcast, but I, I do think I'll be able to tie in um, helping people that have suffered through domestic violence situations and maybe holding benefit concerts and some type of Mm -hmm. aspect um, in the, in the future um, with having given the platform that I'm given. um, And I think that's, you know, I started with the podcast and being able to speak to people and now I have my music and be able to reach even more, um, you know, audiences and, and mm. ears. Um, so I'm kind of strategic with, with what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have to be right. It has, there has to be strategy, even though, you know, it's not going balls to the walls and, you know, getting 20 K followers per month, but there's got to be a strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and as is mine, you know, and part of my strategy is I also want to be here for my kids right now. So I know that if I go balls to the walls and I get an agency to promote me, I won't be able to handle the commitment that that, yeah. that will bring. So right now, until my, my little guy is a little bit older, um, then I can handle the load. But I know I don't want to compromise that time as much as I can, right? So, yeah. You know, that's my strategy, but for you, you've also, so tell us now, um, because obviously social media is such a, it's, it's like, it's actually a mind F, right. Of how crazy social media is. It's really like dominates your whole world when you are trying to get a message across or you want to create these platforms, which are phenomenal. You don't, you don't, you never used to get those in the old days. Right. right? So but talk to us about your social platform because that's what I'm hearing is your biggest vehicle. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm 
my social, I try to dominate my social media presence as much as possible um, to get my face it, my face in all the places. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is just me right now. I don't have a social media manager. Um, and, and like you said, it, it just takes a lot of my time and everything. And I, I try to balance this as best I can between all the things. Mm. Um, but I have, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I actually have like four different Instagrams and three different Facebooks. Wow. And uh, Snapchat, Twitter, tw- um, TikTok, um, Loom, uh, Twitch, um, all the things. <laughs> yeah. So um, what is your what is your followership then across like on each of them or yeah? Um, I I guess all together, I'd say I, I would probably at least have maybe fifty thousand followers, maybe. Mm. Um, I, it's hard to tell. I have 5,000. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really I've actually edited it up. Uh, but my main focus is usually Facebook and Instagram just because mm-hmm. I can simultaneously get my post out at the same time on each one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Knocking out two birds with one stone. Yeah, and then I exactly. just kind of scatter my, my content across the, the other ones. Yeah. Um, but it is a full-time job. <laughs> it's to totally. And, and to really keep in tune with my audience um, and, and make them feel uh, engaged with what I'm doing. And just because that's what a brand is. It's just like it's a story and a journey that you take your people. And mm. I just try to make them feel included with everything that I have going on. I'm very transparent and authentic. Um, if I'm having a hardship, I will express that. If I'm, you know, have a win, then I'll express that. Um but just being very transparent, authentic with yeah. my art. Yeah. So what can people expect if they go to your platform? What can they see? Uh, inspiration. <laughs> I think that's probably one of my biggest things that I get. And, uh, it's just really people that people that reach out to me and just tell me, oh, my gosh, like you're, you're so inspiring to me. Um, or you inspired me to start my own business or to leave my abusive partner um, or just that they feel like they can do it because they've seen me do it um, mm. or that it's possible. Um, so just, I think inspiration, strengths, women empowerment, um, and, and, and just adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the rapping. Yeah. My, uh, the, the music I do is, is like hip hop, pop rap. Uh, I started off by singing country music at karaoke um my my big sister actually has done she's an independent artist as well she's like country blue uh, bluegrass and i watched her do it my whole life um like she never gave up she i always went to all her her shows and bought her merch and stuff and uh supported other local artists along the way mm. daughter started doing open mics of herself <laughs> and uh, at three um so she kind of inspired me, you know, she was brave enough to get up there and stuff and, and do it. So I, I wanted to give it a try. And then I started writing and, uh, it just kind of snowball effect from there. Just really I, literally. I, yeah. And I, I mean, I just felt like my brand, I just, one day I was like, I need a, I need a theme song for all the things that I have going on or like, you know, my, my name's Peaches or nickname was Peaches. So I wanted to make like a kind of a theme song for myself almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that was my first 
technical song that I release on all platforms. Um, so you art. sang it, sang it and with the music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You did both. Mm -hmm. What is so how, what instruments do you use? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't this. I, I rapped it. It's just, it's a rap. Oh, so just pure. So pure rap. No, no, like extra. No, I don't have uh, any instruments that I play yet, but I've mm -hmm. been thinking about incorporating um, some small ones or uh, maybe some drums or something that I could make it more of like a uh, production type of show. Yeah. And also those other things, right? Those, it's like a keyboard, but it's, it's got all the colored squares on it. What's that one? Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. The makes to be, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, it's, it is the inspiration, but I mean, like often you, but are, are you just then wanting to grow slowly in, in, in all these different areas? Cause it is a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. I'm slowly trying to just find my niche essentially, you know, um, cause I, it is very spread out. Um, mm. but I do have an LLC called Platinum Peach Productions that kind of just umbrellas it as far as the entertainment goes. Yeah. Um, because again, just to be all these things, like to be a music artist, you have to have professional pictures. So mm. you know, my modeling background has really helped me elevate and be a more professional, um, look on on social media and stuff and just having that network and mm -hmm. the modeling is very um, how you build your reputation as a model within the industry is very similar to how you build your reputation as a music artist mm -hmm. um, and, and networking and everything so it's really helped me um, navigate the music um, yeah. and then podcast is just another um, way to get you know kind of the music and, and message out with what I'm doing um, and then I can give back to the community by teaching other people, mm. you know, how to do the music or how to be a model kind of on the side. Yeah. And is it easy for you to create that community, that community? Cause it sounds like that community is face to face. Yeah. I think, um, people see me do it. Um, they essentially want to come and learn and, um, I don't really charge a whole lot either. It's not, that's not really like my main source of mm. income. And it's me just wanting to kind of give back and give out all the knowledge that I've gained throughout the years because I, people get really taken advantage of within this industry. Mm. Um, I kind of want people to learn from my hard lessons. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the but just for my clarification, it's face people in your neighborhood. Yeah. It's face yeah, to face. Yeah, yeah. about ten. Yeah, they're they come face to face. It's not virtual. Yeah. Um, I teach them posing, expression. Um, consultations as far as branding goes and, and what's the best practices on social media um, that they might not know. Yeah. And I mean, cause that's also quite a thing, right? It's all very well to be this face on social media, but to really then go out there and actually find face to face customers or, you know, call them what you want, followers, followers, even face to face followers, right? That's not, right. That's really taking it to a whole nother level, even if it is 10. It's really making yourself vulnerable where now you are, you really feel like human, don't you find? Yeah, definitely. You know, because you can post all these things on social media, but I find it is that human element that you are talking about that you do do 
that's actually the part that makes you feel alive. I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. And to see mm. the progress. I mean, I, I have girls that stuck with me. That's again, how it kind of all ties in as far as, um, the women that I've helped, um, become models through this last year, they come to my shows or it's more just like a networking type of group, you know, where I, I want the opportunities that I have or the rooms that I'm in that can then benefit the girls that I've helped or maybe mm. they might have a connection that might help them along the way. Um, cause I don't ultimately want them to be, I'm not like an agency. I'm not making money off of them. Like the girls that stick with me. Um, I really want them to, you know, create opportunities for themselves that they are self-sufficient as mm. well. And then self-sufficient as a model. Yeah. Model or just, again, just whatever direction they want to take. Mm. Their, mm. Their, mm. Their, you know, it started for me with modeling, but they may want to take it in whatever direction yeah. that they want to take it. Yeah. So how did you find these 10 people? Um, yeah, through social media and just word of mouth or friend or friend or uh, people know that if someone's trying to get in a model, people tag me in a lot of stuff here locally. Or like, hey, she's been wanting to be a model. I'm going to connect you with her. Um, okay. Just a lot of connecting the dots, essentially, and just being well-known here in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Are you well-known? I, I'd say I'm pretty well-known. Um, yeah. I'm, I, that's, you know, you get to build a buzz and, and with music and all the things you, you, again, just get my name out there. I, I have cards that I put everywhere. I have like a street team essentially that I've created all over the country. Yeah. It's really here in Cincinnati too, where uh put my cards just in all different places. So so I'll have people message me all the time, be like, I found her card like on a right, cool. floor. Uh, <laughs> here in the bathroom, they'll take a picture of it or something. So Yeah, you should put um, your barcode on it. You can do that. Yeah, now, right? yeah. Oh, you I do. You're cool. Yeah. Scan code on the back. So it takes them right to, you know, all my links and stuff. Yeah. So do you have a, 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 a like a, a common link space like Linktree or yeah. do you? Okay. Yeah. So tell me, you, you talk a lot about giving back. Where does this need to give back come from? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm really sure. I guess just, uh, Maybe that's my past or, or I'm not sure, just making, I wanted the trauma that I went through to kind of mean something um, or that I wasn't all in vain. So um, it just, it makes me feel good to see other people succeed. <laughs> Maybe it's mm. kind of selfish <laughs> mm. <laughs> on my part. Um, and and that's where kind of where my bread and butter is. And yeah, I, I just think I'm, I'm, that's something that I'm really good at and, and that I'm teaching is just maybe is my niche <laughs> um, yeah. or, or inspiring people and being a leader. You know, I think with my background, I went to a Montessori school. Um, okay. School, so one of our main things that we were taught, we actually had like a leadership grade that we were given in school um, and all the different um experiences that I was in and just kind of helped develop me as a leader and mm -hmm. then being in the army as well. Um, so I guess it's just in me to, to lead people in those directions uh, and, and tied in with my morals and, and, and my goals. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just want to, want to help navigate and chase their dreams and kind of 
to see people when you tell them they can do something or, you know, just give fuel to their fire. That's really all they really need mm. to, to get going. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about this past of yours and that is obviously from now what I'm hearing and sort of knowing you for 10 minutes, that's really defined who you are. Like, tell us about your past. If you, you know, feel free to tell us as much as you want. Um, you know, I have interviewed many people who have gone through traumas, be it abusive, mothers, partners, mm-hmm. you know, talk to us about that because this is obviously this is something a lot of people don't share because they're too ashamed to share it, you know? So when people do share it, then it's great to share, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'll be uh, kind of completely honest about all the things, <laughs> but mm. um, <laughs> my, my main one, I guess was, I was in a, a abusive marriage uh, for 10 years. Uh, I got married at 18 Um and that's when I was like kind of fresh out of the army, essentially. Um, and a narcissist, he was a narcissist. Um, and I learned about all the different types of abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse, um, you know, physical abuse, all the different ways. And um, it took me 10 years to get out. Um, and from that experience, um, I started the podcast to kind of just tell my story um, because it took a lot of knowledge for me to even realize that I was being abused. I felt like um, a lot of people in those situations, because it doesn't look like what it looks like on TV or they haven't punched you in the face or something that you don't even know what's really going on. Um, So it really was a podcast that I had listened to that kind of opened up my eyes to really what was happening to me. So, um, I felt like I could help other people get out of domestic violence situations um, by having a podcast or a platform um, to give them that knowledge that they would need to kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went through that. Um, I left. I bought my own house. Now it's, um, you know, me and my daughter. Uh, I just got done paying off my lawyer from the situation for uh, yeah. four years ago. And um my other traumas, I guess, would be um, I then had two miscarriages within the the marriage, and my daughter my daughter was born with a birth defect called uh, gastroschisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was in the hospital two months, um, had four surgeries, and uh, it was she was born with all her intestines outside of her body, essentially. So uh, yeah, okay, um, yeah. Then, if she was going to survive um you know the pregnancy was very traumatic um all the the hospital visits and stuff but uh, that was another very hard situation for me to wow. go through um, and that was from that was from birth huh? so like literally she did you have natural birth yeah i had natural birth but i found out that she had the birth defect at 15 weeks when i was pregnant so essentially the entire pregnancy they just didn't know if she was going to live or not um, oh wow! It was, it was really hard to enjoy the pregnancy. Yeah, um, and but she survived, and she's uh, a little star of her own. Wow, um, that is that is seriously that is crazy. I mean, and uh, only when you've really given birth, and you know the experience of when a child comes out, you know, into the world, 
and then the child has to be taken away. Like, I mean, I could not imagine, I can imagine a lot of horrible things in life, but that definitely is one of them, you know, where you're, you literally have carried your child, you've birthed your child, and then your child's taken away. Like, I mean, even in the old yeah. days, they used to, your child would come out and they took your child away to some other place thinking, you know, this child needs to sleep in an incubator, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's like, That's exactly what happened. And yeah, I, I had her and, and they whooshed her away to surgery. I didn't get to hold her until two weeks later, maybe. Wow. Um, and it was just, she didn't eat or anything. She was fed through an IV through her leg for a oh, month. So she didn't shame. even get to like actually, you know, feed or anything. So it was, it was just a very different experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't I even have any state too. So I didn't no. have any family or anything. It was just me and, and my ex-husband. So where are your family? What tell me about your background, where you grew up? We'll come back to to, you know, just sort of delving more into the trauma aspect, just to, you know, maybe someone listening now needs to hear it. But where where tell me about your background, where you were born, your parents, where you know, you said you went to Montessori. Tell us a bit about your grow you know, growing up. I grew up uh inner city, Cincinnati, real close to downtown. Um I grew up in I guess a considered a rougher neighborhood. Um I was my dad's only child. Uh, my uh, mother lost custody of me uh, when I was younger, three or four. Um, so I was raised by my dad as my dad was a single dad. Um, and I, I love my uh, how, how I grew up. And, and I had basically like a neighborhood house. Uh, all the kids and stuff were coming to my house for, for things. Um, very diverse people that I grew up with. I, I, I was able to say go to that Montessori school where um, the principles are just based off of community. Um, mm. uh, it's just a very different style of learning. Um, mm. My daughter is now also in Montessori because I do believe in the, the fundamentals that it, it puts in the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to travel to lots of different countries while I was in the school. I went to the Bahamas in seventh grade, Mexico in 10th grade, uh, Costa Rica in 11th grade. Um, and it got to experience a lot of different cultures at a young age. And I think that really, uh, contributed. Yeah. My, uh, mom, I didn't get to see my mom very much growing up. Um, she, uh, wasn't very much involved in my life. Um, and no, didn't sound like it. <laughs> Why did she lose custody of you? Well, that I, I, I'm not essentially really sure. That's kind of been something that has kind of come up now in my life 30 years later. <laughs> um, wow. That grandma recently died and uh, a lot of other family things have come up for us. She, she My mom is now actually in jail um, and uh, some past things from my dad have come up. There was um, accusations of molestation on my side of the family and just all kinds of family trauma as well that have really uh, came up. So essentially now I, I don't talk to any of my parents. Um, it is just me and my sister and my daughter uh, living here in, in my house. Okay, your sister as well? Yeah, my, my little sister. So I have siblings on my mom's side. Yes. Um, but your yeah. dad, you, you, your dad's only child. Yeah. Right. 
So, so my nephew but, and my sister live with me as well. And, and your nephew. <laughs> so your nephew, your sister, and your daughter all live with you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I let I left. She was homeless last year, um, living out of her car. Um, so I I let her and my nephew uh, move in last year. Wow. Okay. So um, you say it kind of like you don't really know, but I mean, your mom being in jail, like this, is massive. Yes, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> looking at your face I'm like okay Lauren do we need to discuss this like do we need to do a therapy session yeah you know like you know what's going on hold on a second you're saying it very sort of as a matter of fact like do you know why your mom's in jail or not oh yes no I know why she's in jail yeah no um if she was um threatening it was I guess for thre threatening someone's life and she's in Florida um she has alcohol issues that I guess once, you know, when my grandma died, she kind of spiraled essentially and, and moved out uh, back to Florida and mm -hmm. things happened in Florida to where she was incarcerated. Um, she's just a toxic part of my life that I've kind of just tried to mm. weigh. And then my dad was a really big um, part of my life. And then when, you know, knowledge came to my attention from things that he was being accused of I had to deliberately cut him out of my life as well um so both of them are not in my life as a choice and it was it's a very hard you know thing mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. <laughs> so basically your mom your mom well alcohol alcoholism is just the worst of its kind right any mm -hmm. any addiction is just it's too sad because it you know you can you just, it's, it's like, you can't help anyone. You can't right. help people who are addicted. No it's yeah. 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 You know, so that's, that's really difficult because you are, you just are helpless. It's like, I think the only way you can help is by literally showering that person with love, but obviously finding the medium to do it by still protecting yourself. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. This is the thing is that often then people do back away because it's also, it's a scary place to be, to be dealing with a loved one and seeing them in that position. So the natural reaction is to say, I block you out of my life. I'm done. Um, because they also end up doing things that are hurtful, that are dangerous. Like you said, right. your mom assaulted somebody's life. So, you know, like, I mean, that, that thing goes into a whole nother spectrum of, existence and then how do you love someone who does that it's so hard mm -hmm. um but you know you as long as you're a human being you're going to have feelings and a conscience so I, I like I always my philosophy is always to try anyway and shower that person with love you know even if you do do it behind closed doors in your meditation session or whatever ideally it's handy and it would be yeah. great if you could do it face to face and find, you know, but I mean, hard for you. Wow. And now you've taken in your sister, your nephew, and, um, and you've got your little girl. So who's paying for everything in this house? You said earlier that you managed to pay off your house after you left your husband after the 10 years, but how have you made money to do all of this? Well, I, I haven't paid off the house. I bought my own house Okay. Um, after I left him. So I, I have, own the house that we live in um but um yeah essentially i am 
supporting everyone right now. <laughs> um, and it's based off my, my grooming, um, and, uh, just my side hustles that I do, you know, I, I do get, I'm starting now finally, uh, to get paid shows. Um, and, and when I perform in Glider Town and stuff, I'm starting to get more and more paid shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I do charge for my modeling classes. Um, yeah. And it, that's few and far between that I do those, but it does bring in some money. I do get paid some of the photo shoots that I do, um, just hustling. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's why I work so hard because there are so many people, you know, on my shoulders and, uh, I'm striving. And so I'm in a comfortable position where, uh, we're all taking care of them. We're not just working tirelessly every single day and we have some type of freedom, you know? Mm, mm, mm. And tell me your sister, how old your sister? Um, she's 25. Okay. And is she working? Uh, not currently. No. Okay. Yeah. So, but your dad, and then, so obviously the question there with your dad is that there was, you said molestation and that could have been with either of you and your siblings, or is that just in general? Um, yeah, he was accused of molesting me and my older sister. But you didn't know about that before because you were too young. Right. Okay. So it sounds like, yeah, you still need to have conversations with people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Cause I mean, you're not, you don't sound sure about it. Yeah. I, I am sure, but I, I haven't had a, uh, a face to face conversation with my dad yet. Mm. Um, I, I, again, once I found out, I kind of just um, cut ties with him for a while so I could figure out exactly, you know, how I wanted to move forward mm. with that, really you knowing with my daughter. He was very close with, with my daughter. Um, so I have to protect her, even if, you know, mm. I don't know if it's true or not yet. Um, so, I mean, I, and I say not true or not, but I think I just need, like you said, um, to have that face to face conversation. And I think even if he were to say yes or no or anything, just um, I can read energy very well. And I think just by um, having a face-to-face conversation, I'll be able to have a, a sure enough mm. knowing. Um, and then I can move forward with my life. Yeah, you must. Because, you know, assumption and also hearsay is, you know, the mother of all F-ups, right? So, you know, you need to really, you know, that's where the biggest misunderstandings come from is where you hear something via someone or you're making an assumption. And then, you know, actually we're human, we create these narratives in our head and then they actually spiral into pictures and stories that often and most of the time are actually not true, at least not to that degree, you know? Right. You try to connect the dots as far as, you know, memories go and that young and uh, coordinating different other members, you know, with my big sister. And I've taken into consideration exactly what she said. And and I believe my sister very much and the things that she's told me. So, Mm. um, again, I I think just having a face-to-face conversation will just solidify it. Yeah, but does, does your sister concur with it? Does she say it's true? Yes. And and with that she has I I do believe in what she has said yeah wow shame that's uh that's something that you need to sort of step away from and really take some time with yeah it's and it's hard because you know my life doesn't stop you know I know all these things spinning so 
people on my shoulders. So although I'm trying to deal with that really big, you know, emotional piece, I still have to juggle all the things over here. Mm. But what are you going to do when you do see your dad? I mean, obviously, you know, we're human and we do, we do have gut feelings about things anyway, but what are you going to do then? Are you going to, do you want to find out from him? Like, why did you, and you know, do you want to go into that conversation and and try to love him, try to love him still? Or is it like this guy's sick and I cannot be with him anymore? Also in the protection of your own child. Yeah. That's kind of why I've avoided the conversation. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a hard, awkward thing to talk about. And, you know, even though I don't necessarily vividly remember anything, um, so, but I have to take that knowledge into consideration and, and make a decision not only for myself, but for my daughter. Um, mm. And how, again, I want to continue that relationship. Do I want him to, you know, be able to talk to my daughter at all? Yeah. Do I want to continue to talk to him? Do I love him from a distance? Do I forgive him? I, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I, I don't, I don't know how I would move forward with, I think once I get a yes or no, or more of a gut feeling and, and have it be more solidified for me, then I think I'll be able to know then. Mm, mm. How long ago did you find out? Very recently. Uh, probably in the last month, two months. Yeah. Um, and tell me your grand that passed, was that your mom's? My mom's? mom's? Mm -hmm. Yes. So she, you know, it's not, she didn't have anything to gain by telling you this or by saying this or by putting this in your head. No, no. And, and it's, and it's, it's, I guess I should say that I just now found out, like I, she, that's kind of why I was very unsure of it because it, it has been brought to my attention since I was a child. Like I went okay. to court, I was, I do remember being in court and being um, investigated and she, my mom kept all the records, like all the court records are there. Like I've read through everything. Um, it was because of my mom's addiction and, and things that I, I would just not take her as seriously. Um, because mm. as a, as a kid, she would very much just be like, do you want to come live with me? You know, she would talk very bad about my dad all mm. the time. So it was just very confusing. Um, and I didn't really know who to essentially believe, but yeah. it came back up once my grandma died and, and, and my mom was very much more um, open about it and talking about it. And then talking with my sister about it um, made me feel uh, like I needed to to cut my dad out of my life at that point. So when your mom, did she come to the funeral and was she compass mantis at the funeral? We didn't even really have a funeral. It was, um, like I said, the, our, my mom's side is very small. Just my, my uncle, her, and my other siblings on that side. Um, so there wasn't really much of a funeral. Mm. We just had her cremated. Um, and once the, uh, we had to sell my grandma's trailer, uh, my mom then kind of spiraled out. Yeah. You disappeared there for a second. Um, oh. so, so where was your, I mean, paint, cause I'm not American. Okay. But I mean, mm -hmm. I can, you know, 
Uh, I understand different, you know, growing up in different neighborhoods and everyone can relate to that. But then you say, did your grandmother live in a trailer? You said you didn't grow up in the in the best part of town. So tell me a little bit about that life that you had and that your your, your surrounding family has. Yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up with my grandma at all. She she lives a little bit farther out than where we where I grew up. I grew up I said I grew up more inner city with my dad. Um in, in an apartment closer, uh, to, to downtown Cincinnati. Mm. Um, and, uh, it, it was, I, I can't say it was like the worst situation or anything like I, but I definitely didn't like grow up like in the suburbs or anything. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but it definitely, it made me who I was like, and I think it's hard for people to kind of understand that or, I'm glad I'm still in contact with a lot of the people that I did grow up with because they know what I came from mm. and who I was. And mm. I was very true to myself, um, even though I probably love the life and how I've grown. Everything probably doesn't really reflect that. And it's probably hard for people to really kind of see me coming from what I've came from, um, especially with all the trauma and all the things going on. I just, the more I've gone through it, the better I've handled it or learned you know, just become more of my true authentic mm. self. Mm. So, but then your, but your grandmother, she lived in a trailer is when you say sold a trailer, she lived yeah. in a trailer. Yeah. She had a trailer. It just, it's like a mobile home. It's not yeah. necessarily a bad environment. Um, it's just, she had a, a small mobile home um, and a suburb here in Cincinnati that she okay. lived. Um, but when she died, obviously, um, my, my big sister took on a lot of the bills, um, and my mom doesn't have a job or anything. So I was also going to be taking in my mom, um, when my grandma died and, uh, we were selling the trailer, obviously, cause we couldn't, you know, pay for that. Mm-hmm. And that was just triggering for my mom, I guess, with all the other things. And, uh, she, she, she didn't want to live in my house. So she, she moved to Florida when we sold the trailer. Why didn't you want to live in your house? Probably because we would hold her accountable. Um, and he said my whole life, my mom hasn't had a job or a car or been responsible for anything. Um, so maybe seeing me be in a more successful situation or me holding her accountable and not, you know, having her alcoholism would just, she wanted to do her own thing, I guess. Mm, I don't know if I got that answer. <laughs> Mm, yeah, well, and hide, right? Because if yeah. you have all these vulnerabilities, then you're too exposed when you're close to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And your dad, what job did your dad or does he have back then and now? Um, He was an entrepreneur himself. He, owned, he had his own business. He was a landlord. He owned a bunch of buildings around Cincinnati. Okay. Um, So he ran his own business my whole life. Mm, okay. Cause Montessori is that, I mean, that's, that's not a state school. You have to pay for that separately or is it, is it state? Um, it's, it's, it's in Cincinnati. Uh, they're public. It's a very, um, common thing to have them here. It's just a different type of enrollment process. Mm. Um, but it is a public, um, and you, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I must also like that Montessori system. I think it, you know, not everyone is is good with it. Obviously, the parent has to back it up. The parents got to believe in it, otherwise, it doesn't work, right? But that's like everything in life. You right. almost always need your parents' support, otherwise, it kind of goes a bit pear shaped. So, you know, right. your parent has to kind of be behind you. You know, I, certainly up until 
a certain age, but I mean, even when you're an adult, so I can imagine you're like, yeah, you're really like paddling in the deep end right now, you know, with both your folks, like, you know, just like aborted ship in a way. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting year. <laughs> yeah. Shame. So tell me now, so you've got these gigs going on. Um, your, your vision is to very much build this brand. So, um, is it, I've been, and, and again, a survivor, I think is a, a huge goal of mine. Um, again, just between all the things that I've been through and, you know, um, I really crave situations that that make me elevate my consciousness and my mental strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really just helps me level up. And mm-hmm. I think Survivor is one of those um, things that regular life, you know, can't really put me in a situation that would um, really help me grow um, and reach new capabilities that I never thought I was capable of. Um, mm. And I think I'd be good at it. I think Survivor is very similar to um, the music industry or entertainment industry. Uh, and I've been successful at that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm working towards those things. Yeah. And My, what will you <laughs> be in Peach? I want to be Peaches full time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like these kinds of things and entertain and inspire people Mm. to do that like that would be my dream (laughs) yeah and tell me what do you see the difference as being peaches and being lauren like what's real and what's not um you know people i i would say i'm it's all tied into one it's just the more creative expression when it comes to peaches i mean it's just Peaches is who I am internally, you know, um, it's Peaches just allows me to kind of just be more free with it or fun with it. And unapologetically, you know, I think I'm not as these things that I've like, this is probably the first time I've really openly publicly talked about the things that are really like kind of going on behind the scenes of mm-hmm. all the aspects. So I think that's the Lauren part of it is the, the trauma and the, the deep things. Cause when I'm very more, I used to lead with that. Mm. I'm a violent survivor. I got all these things, you know, da, da, but I, now I'm kind of more like, this is who I am. And then they learn about those things later and they're more surprised. Like, Oh my God, I can't, I would never believe you're, you know, going through all these things or I've been through all of that. Mm. Um, and I want them to, to kind of know me first. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of like also, it's almost like, you know, I mean, that they have that expression, right. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Right. It's almost the right. same thing. You know, you can choose to be peaches, but you can't choose the shit that happens around what has happened to Lauren. So it's almost like we are given as a choice as a human, you know, to to choose. Like, do we want to be peaches or do we want to be Lauren? You know, and and kind of like change the narrative of our life, right? Right. Exactly. But at the end of the day, um, it's all very well doing that, but you have to truly and genuinely be happy. Yeah. So as long as you're doing that and it's completely in the line with, with your soul's reason for being here, you know, then I think, then I think it's worthwhile to really make sure that you, that you're peaches and that you stay peaches and that, you know, these peripheral things that happen to you 
to Lauren, you know, it sounds like I'm talking <laughs> to yeah, yeah. <laughs> personality, split personality disorder or multiple personality disorder, you know. Um, you know, so it's it's it's, it's, it's definitely I've, worth I've built, you know what I mean? Like I feel like just through all the things that I've been through and that's that's just I put that out there as peaches and out things just because of that's that's my narrative and who all the things that I've been through and and that's the I'm very proud of all the things that I've I've got I'm you know I'm I'm very again authentic and, and an unapologetic about the things that I've been through and I think that's who has helped become peaches <laughs> essentially. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that very vulnerable. Lauren got abused and you know and peaches is who I've become. What did you say, Lauren? What got? I just, I'm just you know Lauren was vulnerable and she was abused and you know like that's mm. that's a narrative and and peaches is who I've become through all yeah. of those narratives. And, yeah. Uh, that's yeah that's the blossom that's the blossom that's like this is what i'm going through and this i can be you know that you can do it too you can go through all those things and still Mm. be successful and still Mm. have a life and be happy because i am i am am happy and i love what i do and uh despite all of the the hardships and stuff that i have going on yeah yeah and I think what's also really important um, is to you look. I know, I know. So you you know the the motivational industry is huge, right? So you get those motivational speakers who stay in their story. It's like <laughs> you literally just need to press a tape recorder, and they're telling you the same story that you heard twenty years ago, and that's still their story. I don't know how they do that, but they manage to do that with a lot of chutzpah and 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 like they're telling it for the first time. It's a genuine skill. But for me, I find it's so important to then change your story, right? Don't stay in I'm, I was the abused or I was the this or it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm – because why? Why do you want to hold on to that story? I completely agree, and that's why I put a pause on my podcast because it really kept me there, you know, and yeah. it, it, it was what I needed in that time. I was able to really help the people that I helped in that moment. It helped me. Um, feel more validated by telling my story out loud and helping other people, you know, tell their stories. And I know that was validating for them, but it, it was very traumatic sitting in it still. Like I was trying to move on and grow and heal from it mm. and with it. Um, and being in there, I, I had to put a pause on it and move. And that's, that's where I am. You know, I yeah. The music and stuff in a different expression of it and reaching mm. people in a different way besides mm. just, telling my abusive story over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing, right? And that's what's also nice for humans is we have this gift where, you know, you can make these decisions for, you know, this is a lifetime decision, this is a reason decision, this is a season decision, um, you know. So it's it's nice because sometimes as humans we also – we don't like things that feel incomplete. We don't like it if it feels like I started something and now I'm not finishing it. You know, you kind of, you get a bit hard on yourself, you know, when when you're not finishing something or, or seeing it to the end. Or So it's also nice to recognize that maybe that podcast, it was a season yeah. or, or it was a reason, you know, whatever. Um, but then that gives you that sort of finality because it encapsulates, okay, that was the reason and that's the reason. And you know, if you start a podcast again, it will be for another season or reason or, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And that's even when I stopped it, I I, I like that. I'm, I'm glad I go to see the status that I made, you know, Facebook memories of just like I'm putting a pause on it. And I, I even said then I was like, I'm going to find a bigger and better way to help people, um, you know, essentially. Uh, and I feel like that's that's what I've done. So and yeah. I, I 
very much a follow through type of person. Um, I think that's part of the reason why people follow me or, or, um, are inspired. It's like when I say I'm going to do something, I follow through and do it or that I, I manifest it usually. And they're, and they are uh, inspired by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me, um, with your ex now, so is, is, um, was he abusive, um, circumstantially was he, and that doesn't excuse it. I just want to know yeah. if ultimately my question is, is your daughter going to be a part of his life at all? Or is this guy just, I He's mean, a good dad. I'll say okay. that. Yeah. I was able to separate that. Um, he never abused her or any way. Um, he's still involved in her life. Um, he sees her, um, couple, t- a couple times a year. And then, uh, in the summer, um, and he, uh, but I'll say that she was, I thought I was able to, um, protect her from it because it never, he never like hit me in front of her. Mm. Um, but there were a lot of arguments that were done. And but she, again, I thought she was little, you know, that she didn't really understand a whole lot. Um, but there were a lot of, um, arguments that were done in front of her or just silent treatments. I mean, I was, um, given silent treatments for three, four months at times where we would just live in the environment and not talk to one another. Um, so I can only imagine how that might've affected mm. her same for her, um, mm. or just my emotions of after a fight or something or the anxiety or anything that I was going through. She was my mm. comfort, you know? So, all of those types of things that being in that environment really actually affected her. And, and, and she ended up having a lot of behavior issues as a child. Um, and I had to take her to countless amounts of therapy to mm. figure out what essentially was wrong. And at the end of all of it, it was being exposed to the abusive trauma that I was in. Um, so, you know, she ultimately was the reason why I left um, so that I could, um, just make sure she, uh, knew what she deserved and, um, to see me happy and that, you know, uh, to protect her. And even though, uh, she, she's worked through it now and, uh, she was, she was kicked out of three different schools. Um, I had, and I, I dealt with that all on my own. He wasn't here. And for she's that. only seven years old and you kicked out of schools. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah. She was kicked out of three different schools. She had to go to a certain behavioral school. Um, again, just all from the separation anxiety, I mean, you know, being separated from her dad and, um, the divorce and just, uh, moving. And it was a lot of trauma for her as a child, um, mm. to figure out what exactly it was. They tried to say she had ADD or, um, she had, uh, autism or she had this and it, it all was just trauma related back to the abuse. So mm. um, thankful I was able to get her out of that environment. Mm. Uh, yeah. She, she's thriving now. Yeah. Beautiful. And tell me your gut instinct as a mom, even coming then from the background that you came from was, did you, did you know instinctively there's actually nothing wrong with her? She's just, going through she's mirroring what she's seeing at home like did you know that or were you seeking the doctor's 
affirmation the, of something. Yeah, at the, I I didn't. I at the time I didn't. I mean, I was a first time mom. I I hadn't even changed a diaper before I had my daughter, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I never really had a whole lot of experience with kids. Um, so I, I didn't really know or understand what was really going on um, with her in in the early stages of it. Um, Cause it, it started when we were still together, you know, um, mm. and, and, uh, it, I didn't think I really understood it until later on. And we were finally starting to get some answers from therapists and stuff. I knew, mm. I knew that she wasn't autistic or, you know, AD, I definitely, that's why I kept taking her to different therapists and, and really seeking the right answers and being her mm. advocate. Um, you know, teachers, teachers, very were concerned a lot and I just I knew it wasn't as bad as they were trying to make it out to be that um she just needed the right kind of love and environment and stable environment and Mm. we were in this house for one whole year and not moving and nothing being taken out of her life and having you know just a no arguments going on and you know just that first year of us being in this house yeah I really saw the difference in how she was acting wow yeah you do huh kids are they're so susceptible. They're so they they like sponges. They they sponge in their environment, and you see the you see it straight away. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, so tell me when you have gone through these dark times, um, whether it was younger with your mom, also not having your mom around, or you know, and I mean, obviously it's different when you're a child to when you're an adult. But often we develop that 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 foundation survival skill when we're younger that we sort of carry through, right? And then obviously you develop more as you go. Mm-hmm. If you want to, then you will, you know, develop more. But um, like what's always been your survival skill, like when your husband went volatile in silence, right, for for four months or three months, whatever, um, and then, you know, um, did he hit you? Actually, now I'm not sure now because you were saying, did, did he hit you or not? Um, yes, he was physical with me. Like I said, I I can't say he ever punched me in my face, but I was choked. I was pushed. I was held against my will. Okay. um, Ate upon or, you know, um, sorry, ate upon me or, you know, putting his physical presence on me. Um, and, and, and in those ways. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I see what you mean by you can't say, funny right when you say physical people think hit not strangled or you know forced on or held down or you know um which you know if it's a strong guy that's super super scary mm-hmm. um so but how did you deal with these things um i don't know i was very i i was very quiet about it um i told close friends um, sometimes, but, uh, I never was fully honest with what was actually going on. I, um, I don't, I don't know. This made me just surrounding myself with friends and family in that moment. But I think I, I, uh, I create things. I don't know. I, I kind of turn my, tr- transform my trauma essentially. Um, so I get focused on something. If I go through something bad or like a breakup or, or something like that has happened, then I kind of put that energy into staying busy with something else. So like whether it was my podcast or my modeling or something, 
I'll create and stay busy with um, and, instead of focusing that energy on that. Um, mm. But but when did you pick up that skill? Because that is a very, that's actually one of the best skills that you can have is when when something bad happens in your life is to channel it into some form of creativity. Because it's like, it's literally, it's like the way our earth works, right? It's like the the universe needs, so I mean, the trees need the, the carbon monoxide to, to thrive, right? It's like the synergy that the earth has. has. It's, and, and, and I think that that's man's synergy with, with living with the bad is by channeling it into creating something beautiful in the same way a tree, you know, like the analogy I've just given you. But so that is, I think, actually one of the best skills a human being can have. Yeah, and I don't think I really, uh, I'd say four years ago is when I kind of developed that skill. Um, again, as who I was in my marriage, wasn't as, um, I didn't speak up as much. I didn't use my voice. I didn't stand up for myself. I um, was very self-conscious about what, who I was or what was going on. And um, so survival there was kind of just keeping him happy and, not really trying to make as much moves, but um, once I left, that's when I, I, I'm, I'm essentially, I'm like 10 years behind. I lost 10 years of my life, essentially mm-hmm. how I feel. I wasn't allowed to do anything that I wanted, pursue any dream or career goal that I wanted. Everything was what could make him be best and do best for him. Um, and all of that was kind of channeled to that. So once I left him, I decided I was going to start pursuing everything that I had wanted to do within that 10 years. That was be a model, go on Survivor, you know, that I, that I have. Um, mm. so I, I just channeled all that. And that modeling really helped me that first year. I did a divorce photo shoot. I just got real creative in what I wanted to express through pictures um, and did a lot of really creative photo shoots. And that really just helped me become very self-confident and confident in my body and who I was um, and, and channeled it in those ways. Mm, mm. And did you just say divorce photo shoot? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I did. A, it's, a, it's a common thing, too. Like they'll, they'll, the girls will burn their dresses. Um, okay. Things or uh, that's uh, just it helps you kind of just get that anger and, and expression out through that. <laughs> mm, mm, exactly. Yeah. So tell me and what is this shirt in that photo shoot says women don't owe you shit. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, but, and just for my, you know, just seeing a picture in my, in my mind's eyes. So, I mean, what did he do or what does your ex do? He's in the army. He's been in the army uh, since we met. That's how I met him was uh, we met in training when I joined the mm. army. Mm. Um, when I was 18 and again, it was just, I think, a an environment. I just went through basic training. I was by myself and vulnerable to the, his narcissistic ways and he sucked me right in. Um, yeah. and, um, so I just continue with that, but he's still in the army. Uh, he can, he was able to, you know, I supported his army career. I, I moved eight times in eight years through wow. the army. Um, and, uh, supported his career and and when we divorced he was he's still very successful and uh, I took a big hit and I, I think that's one of the things that people need to understand with domestic violence situations and finances and how we're affected by it and again my divorce was six thousand dollars 
I just paid that off last month. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm in a hole that he's not in. Um, and, and I'm being affected by it. Uh, and a lot of women are. I almost didn't get this house because of a law that was in place um, called the Dower Rights Law that doesn't allow women to buy property without their husband's permission. I had him have him sign his rights away to my house that I had everything to do with him, nothing to do with, but just that we were still legally married. He had to shine so up to my closing of my house. Um, so those are just kind of the, the things that I'm trying to bring the light <laughs> through all of yeah, this. No, but I can see, I actually, I, I got a bit of goosebumps there while you, cause I, I really could feel your, I felt like for the first time in this conversation, I could feel your heart rumbling there, you know, while you were telling me that, like that, I could feel, I could feel it. Mm. So, you know, then, you know, that's definitely some way to channel your energy because you, 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 you vibrate when you talk about it, you know? Yeah. I get angry all over again, you know? It, yeah. It, um, it's not right. And I know there's the whole, and especially women in the army, I mean, army wives are stuck. They are stuck. You, you get stuck in this situation where you're living away from your ha from your family. You're you're isolated. You um, are completely financially dependent on the, the 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 whatever husband whatever, and they make you feel like you have no way out. Um, so I I was a grace that I was even able to get the house for my arm my VA loan. But if I wasn't able to do that, I would have been stuck in some some very bad housing situation. Um, and, or if he decided not to show up to the closing just because he could, then I wouldn't have got the house and who knows what situation I would have been in. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and that's why I find, I'm, I am just so passionate fighting for, you know, financial freedom in, in this sense so that I'm not connected to him in any way. Um, and I'm just a little bit behind, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to play catch up and, you know, if, if 10 years left behind, uh, and, and I'm really close and the more I can get this story out and the more my brand can be awareness, then, then hopefully I can make that happen. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't happen overnight, you right. know, so uh -huh. it, yeah, you know, um, but so just for my understanding, then how did you actually leave him? Like, I can imagine the day you went to him and said, listen, I want a divorce. Like I had I, I had a year in planning and that's again, something I think people need to understand. It's an average, it takes someone an average of seven to eight times to leave an abuser. They'll leave them seven or eight different times and go back and come back and go. Um, I had to plan it with a, a, a year in advance um, and really get all of my uh, essential ways to do it because um, he had went to Korea. He got deployed to Korea and I was finally able to move back home. Every, everywhere else, I was living away from home. So I had no stability. I had no um, support system to get out. It was just like, if mm. I moved away with my daughter, how do I support myself? He threatened to take my car. He threatened to just take all the money in general. So what do I do? I just had to stay there. Um, so when I finally was able to move back home, um, I, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the No, chance. but hold on. So you say move back home because mm -hmm. he went to Korea, but then where was home? And where were we you lived, at that time? We, we lived in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Okay. Um, but then I had my daughter. I was a manager. I was managing um, a PetSmart in Columbus. Um, it was a very time-consuming job. Uh, 
that I couldn't do as a single parent. Um, so I was moving back home to have that support system that I, um, that so I could work and be a single mom at the same time. So I had family that was here. Uh, so and he did not like that. He he I, he very much wanted to keep me away from Cincinnati the entire time. Um, I think he knew when I moved back, I was going to have the ability to leave. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, when I got the apartment, I put it all in my name. I made sure none of the bills were in his name. Um, I put all of his stuff in a certain spot. Um, I made him uh, agree to certain things before he left. And uh, like what? I, um, just that. Uh, I, I made it just very clear that if anything happened while he was gone or, um, you know, that he knew that like, this was it, like I have everything in place. Like I made it very clear to him that it's very easy for me to now leave. Um, and something still happens while he was in Korea and I found out, um, and I just put all of his stuff in his car and put the key in there and lock the doors essentially. So, um, but I mean, what, what do you mean something ha- Was he with another woman? Yes. I found out he was sleeping with uh Korean prostitutes while mm. he was. In- yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, that was for you. Thank, thank heavens you found out, right? Cause oh, yeah. that gave you an exit exit. So, you know, that right. was actually a godsend. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and it's, and it's, that was kind of just like the cherry or whatever. Just it was just like the the reason, the last reason why. And 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 now that I had everything in place, it was. Um, and I was just waiting. I just knew something was going to happen. That wasn't the first time he cheated either. I mean, he cheated throughout the marriage, um, but that was my my way out essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and put all the things in motion so that it was going to be very easy for me, even the so that I had no excuse even internally, because that's, you know, as an abuse um, survivor, you always kind of make, oh, but this, or I can't do this. I, I made sure I had no excuse and that it was very easy for me to make that transition. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so when, when did you actually drop the bombshell? Uh, two weeks before he came home from Korea. Um, I, I, and I think again, having that distance it's with narcissists and narcissism, having that going completely blocking them off so they can't have any contact with you. Um, and that he was so far away really helped me, um, break mm. away bond. Um, so they had no able way to contact me or, or just be in my face. Cause he very much just wanted to, you know, Oh, he, it killed him that he couldn't just be there and just get in my face and love bomb me and, you know, get me back. So having mm. that really helped. But so, I want to, like, did you say, listen, did you send him a text message? Did you call him? Yeah, like- Paul, we talked about it back and forth. Um, you know, I I met with eight different lawyers before I actually filed. Mm. Um, he, when he got back from Korea, he went and lived with a, a friend in Columbus. Um, and I just was very firm with not having any, you know, direct contact with him or um, physically or in, um, until I actually filed and uh I, I used my tax money um that year to put a whole deposit you know all, i put all my money into the lawyer um and and filed and he he drug it out the entire year so that's why i ended up he fired his lawyer i had to answer him directly in court that was traumatizing to answer your abuser in court and and have him question you and, mm. and, and things like wow. that yeah um, 
So tell me, would you say he's an abuser or would you say that it was, you know, it's like when you put, you know, oil and water together or put other, any other, you know, substance together, it, it has a reaction. Um, I will once again reiterate, I don't ever condone any yeah, physical no. or any form of abuse. I'm just wanting to know, would you say he is just an abuser because of other issues he's had in his life or is it that it was your chemistry? No, I think he he was very much an abuser from the beginning. Um, and I know that because uh, it, it, and, and, and no matter what trauma he's been through, like that, that's one thing I with, with the research and things that I've done on our narcissism stuff, it's, it is never an excuse to, to um, bleed on other people because of that. Like I, I can use myself as an example, you know, all the things that I've been through, I've tried not to let that affect with how I treat other people. Mm. Um, and his friends, his family, they all, when I finally came out publicly and then really, I, I sent my podcast to, to everyone he knew so that they knew exactly who he was. And they all were very much not surprised. And I, I think that almost mm. kind of, they were like, yeah, he's been like that forever. And um, it, it kind of shocked me that they all kind of knew that or were already um, just not surprised because of, of, of things that he's done to other people. Like, mm. um, and <clears throat> so I, I don't think it's just our chemistry. I think he could have and probably has, he has done it to other people and other men that he was roommates with. He was just very, um, uh, abusive with his, his words and just how he treats mm. people. Uh, yeah. he, he's a narcissist through and through, mm. even though I've grown and I actually, we have a, a decent friendship now. I can say that, um, you know, okay. I've, I've grown, and I think that's taking my power back. I was actually able to, you know, be in the same room with him. And, mm. um, I wanted to really make that growth for myself. Um, and that he has zero control over me or any power over me whatsoever now yeah. and be in the same room with him and, and be unaffected, um, by anything that he has to say. And, uh, and just have a, a decent relationship for my daughter. Yeah. No, and that's big of you. About him to her. She doesn't really know anything that really has gone on yet. Um, even though I do plan on being honest with her whenever that time comes, uh, I don't want what happened to me to affect my relationship, her relationship with him. Mm-mm. But, you know, kids are, kids are clever, you know, and I, I sometimes no. think, huh? Yeah, I think she'll, you know, she'll she'll figure it out. Yeah, but she doesn't doesn't even have to figure it out. You know what I mean? You also don't have to drop a bombshell on her one day. Like, you can also be honest with her now because she'll place it. She's she's a little human, but she's clever. And she will will actually give it a healthy place now because as kids, you know how, I mean, you went to Montessori school, so you also know the system of teaching, right, that's very sort of self-directed. In a way, give her the self-direction to to place it from when she's young. So it's obviously it's about how you bring it across. I mean, then that's your responsibility to not make him, you know, the evil dog. But I mean, um, but it's just, you know, she'll find her little place to to place it in 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 a way that it doesn't have to be this major bombshell one day, you know, where right. it's so dramatic and you know, she'll she'll place it. Like my husband and I had a fight recently and Um, you know, so my mom was always a person that, I mean, my parents are still together and, you know, they still fight like cat and dog in, 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 I guess a healthy way, but you know, no kid likes to see their parents fighting. Um, and, but I always saw my mom being silent, right? My dad was then always the one with the bigger bark. 
And, you know, now that I'm older, I can see, well, actually, maybe my mom was the one who bit and then my dad barked, right? <laughs> you know, you don't know everything that happens. But um, the thing is, is that, um, so when we had this fight, I thought, okay, do I keep quiet like my mom did? Cause we don't fight a lot, but I just, it was something and, you know, I just blew up and, but I, it wasn't like a blew up. I consciously made the choice. Like, do I keep quiet like my mom did? Or do I show my kids it's okay to fight? It's okay. It's not a, it's not a, it's, it's, there's, there is this sort of a healthy space where you can have a fight, but then it's how you deal with it. And it's also about making them feel safe, you know, within that space. But afterwards, what I did was I took them both aside. I said, listen, I'm sorry, mommy and daddy, you know, were raising their voices and I got, I let them give their expression of what had happened. Um, But because I I feel, I think, I, I think, that because I gave them that space to talk about it, it's not an issue. And, and it, it, right. it, 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 it sort of, they found their place and we move on and they know, okay, you know, they saw exactly what happened, you know? So I, yeah, I think these little ones, it's good to just sort of include them on these details in, in a healthy way. Yeah. I, and I kind of have done that with her as far as just helping her understand of just, you know, um, me and daddy are, are friends you know, and uh, he or I try to help her understand, you know, we we don't we're not in love with each other right now. You know, like daddy was was mean to mommy at some point And I wanted us to be happy and to have a different environment. And um, I've, I've explained it in terms that I, I thought was appropriate for a seven year old. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has kind of made her own decisions and had that little pocket with it. But I, I don't, I think she's still aware of like some of the things that have happened. Um, but I will have more conversations with her, you know, as it, as we, as she gets older. Mm, mm. Although she, what you've just told me, that sounds like a lot enough in a way, but yeah. you know, yeah, that gives it a place that, that she can, she can place that, you know, yeah. um, for any issue and that that's, you know, why I made my decision and, uh, that she doesn't have to feel any way towards her dad or, you know, mm. that still we're, we're fine and it should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And every child wants to know that they are loved by a parent. I mean, you know, you, you yourself have your own experience, you know, where you're also trying to figure things out there. So wherever you can sort of protect your children and, you know, give them that feeling of, I think first and foremost, love and acceptance, right? That's what we right. all need. Yeah. <laughs> Both of us too. I think as you know, for me as a child too, it was I also badly just wanted my mom and dad in the same room. Like they mm. refused to talk to each other their entire life. Um, I never saw them in the same room. So that's something mm. that I wanted to give her and and to have that um experience. Yeah. No matter what happened to me. Yeah, well that's very big of you. That's big. Yeah. So tell me now going forward and we'll lead towards closing off. I mean, what what then you know, what is your definition of, of a successful life? Like what, what are you striving towards sort of, uh, on an intrinsic level? Um, that again, I guess I'm just essentially searching for that, that, uh, that freedom to financially do what I want and, and to be able to spend like right now I am just so busy. I'm so busy doing all the things and I would love to have more, you know, vacation time to spend with my daughter and that I'm not just working tirelessly. Um, I can inspire and, and help other people through the work that I'm doing um, and give back. 
um, and to have fun, you know, with my like entertaining and, and doing the shows and touring, meeting other people and making those connections and new friends. Um, and, you know, making music is fun, making sure that that's all to enjoy what I'm doing um, and inspire people and make a living off of it all at the same time um, would essentially be my, my ideal success. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you place money or, or a particular you know, a level of money on that? Money is, uh, I've learned is just, uh, someone put it to me as um, just exchange of energy, you know? Uh, I think that's how I look at it now. I don't, I don't idolize money in a way that that's, it's not that I'm looking for the money. It's the freedom that comes with it, you know? Mm. Um, So that's, that's my view on money. And and there obviously is going to be a, a deal amount of that that can give me what I need um Mm. but uh I have a everyone's version of success is different you know Mm. I'm not striving to be the next Cardi B but I want to be able to make enough difference in other people's lives with the amount of money that I have and for all of people that I love and um has supported me to to be comfortable yeah nice and then in in closing what what you know what would you say to to people out there who you know not everyone's had this extreme situation happen to them you know and I mean from you really it was you know your your upbringing um still now with you know these bombshells that have have been dropped on your doorstep literally recently um but then also with your marriage and you know that's going to carry with you forever because you've got a child together so you're always going to have to find a medium there a way a place you know a happy place Mm-hmm. For the sake of your child, um, certainly anyway, until they're at least uh, in their early 20s, you know, when they become like fully independent. Right. But, um, you know, what what would your just a nice closing of tip be for, for people who just in general are going through a crap time in life? Um, yeah, to to soldier forward. Um. I, I say um, don't look for other people to believe in you, you know, believe in yourself, invest in yourself. Um, ne- never really giving up. I think that's when I guess, you know, when those bad things happen, it really just fueled my fire. I think I perform, you know, well under that type of pressure, really giving me something to work towards. So just using that that fire that, you know, right now, again, to transform your trauma. Um, poor, I think also you get back the energy you give. So I think, you know, when I help other people, that's what really helps with the universe and manifesting things that come back to me. So maybe, you know, connecting with people that are around them and helping other people, um, being honest in what's going through with their traumas and connecting with other people and building that community, um, will help them feel supported. Um, I just never giving up has just been, has gotten me here <laughs> essentially um, and, and always finding some type of light in, in what I was going through. Um, I, I think that's just essentially, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I, so, and, and, and then breaking that down on, on a, on a sort of a micro level. Yeah. So here you are doing these sort of 
you know, it literally sounds like you're darting from A to B to C to D during the day, right? With with animals and then with the modeling and then with the wrapping and then, you know, not the podcast anymore. Um, you know, then you've also got your daughter. So like, what is that little, what's that conversation you're having in your head on a daily basis, that subliminal conversation? Yeah, I have kind of, I kind of com- compartment, I can't even say it, compart- compartment, compartment, put them in different compartments, I guess. <laughs> compartmentalize yeah yeah um although that's why i am trying to you know downsize almost is just um making sure i'm giving each the appropriate amount of energy and time um that i think is where i want to put my energy you know obviously my daughter will always have a majority of that in in my time and love and 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 attention um but just what I want to see grow. And that's what I give my, you know, energy to. I don't really have a much of a, a romantic life at this point. Um, mm-hmm. just pouring so much into things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and not give, giving your power to someone else. You know, I, again, I, I supported my, my husband's career, my 10 years and, that's maybe my survival tactic now is just my career and my daughter will always come first for me until I have reached the point that I want to reach. Um, but essentially I just, I have that conversation with myself. I get up, okay, what do I want to accomplish? What do I, you know, want to see manifest? And and that's what I put mm. my to. Mm. For me right now, I'm trying to downsize the more time I have to focus on building the brand and making music and giving that my full-time attention I think then that will grow more. So I'm just trying to find a way to be able to pay the bills in that aspect. And so yeah. I don't have to much. I've been yeah. not where my, it, sorry, it's grooming is just not where my passion is anymore. So, yeah. So, and then, and then just to, to sort of even it out with it when they, you know, with, there's always a positive and a negative, mm-hmm. what is the little negative voice that, talks to you during the day when you sort of, you know, you've packed up, you know, whatever you've, 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 you've done, been, been, huh? I feel like I've never done enough. I feel like there's just not enough time in the day or, um, I'm always have my mom guilt, you know, I, and I've, I've dealt with that from other aspects or, you know, I lost tons of friends this entire year that I've really started to become super focused on my goals and my career. And that a lot of people don't understand, my passion for it. Um, so I have a lot of, I guess, m- uh, mom guilt or that my, me being a mom and entrepreneur doesn't look like a lot of other moms. Um, you know, I have, I have everything that I do. I have to pay for a babysitter for anytime mm-hmm. I you know, go to a show or anything. I don't have a man here to just, you know, watch my daughter. I have to put her with certain people that I trust. A lot of people don't respect that or understand that. So I have to, to deal with that backlash a lot. Um, mm. And, but again, just having, knowing myself and what I'm striving towards and um, being okay with that and knowing that my daughter's still happy and healthy and, sh- and striving um, no matter what. Mm. Mm. <laughs> she comes in. Is it? Is she just waking up? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good. Good. What's your name? What? What's your name? Cindy. 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 
Sydney, 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 as in the as in Sydney in in Australia. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you, Sydney. All right, you go get dressed. I'll get you ready for school. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> nice to meet you. Oh, well, but, sweetie pie. Oh, yeah. wow. She's she's well behaved. My God, if I told my daughter to go and go and get dressed up, she wouldn't go. <laughs> like, but I, yeah, I, all those, you know, I, I I just standing in my truth and, and knowing what I'm I'm trying to accomplish um, is it, kind of how I keep those negative thoughts away. I, I do, you know, um, want to eventually have some type of romantic relationship. I think maybe sometimes I'm like, oh, am I just too busy or am mm. I doing much or um things like that you know yeah yeah how can i get better accomplish more this isn't going Mm. fast enough you know uh really just trying to be kind to myself and that i'm doing i possibly can with the amount of time and resources that i'm given Mm. Mm. and you know what when you say that it's just makes you realize that you're human and you know both of us sitting here together screen to screen I have that same conversation in my head and that's what these stories do, right? They just make you feel like, okay, cool. I'm good. I'm okay. You know what? I feel like I'm normal. It's cool. It'll happen. It, you know, we're getting there. And, you know, I think any mom always thinks they don't have enough time, no matter what you do, even if you're a full-time mom, you know, you're always thinking that you, there's always something, there's always going to be something as a mom, but you know what? Anyway, it's so nice to speak to you. You've got to get your child ready for school. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and it's, yeah, it's just been really cool to have a candid, real open, honest conversation. I appreciate you for having me and, and then let me tell my story and, uh, hopefully I know it inspires someone out there. Um, and they'll check my music out or my podcast and, and help them in some type of way and, uh, bring more awareness to, to everything that I got going on. So guys, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Share the show with all your family and friends. As I always say, sharing is caring. Go to the website, inspirationalinterviews.com and also join the club, please. There you'll have access to really super cool features and also, yeah, great guest content and you'll be a part of our live interviews. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, see you on the flip side.